You're listening to Love is the Answer, a podcast that explores the power of love in real life with your hosts, Lynn Kidd and Laurel Elstrom. Welcome to Love is the Answer, a podcast that explores the power of love in real life. I'm Laurel Elstrom with my co-host, Lynn Kidd. And today we're going to be talking about guidance from the true self with our guest, Verinia Peoples. And I'm Lynn Kidd. Today we'd like to encourage you to help us spread the love. Written reviews are a powerful way of making sure that others discover the resources that you find helpful. Support this podcast by writing a review wherever you get your podcast. Please consider also writing reviews on Amazon.com for Laurel's book, Love on the Mountain, and for the combined volume of A Course of Love. Thank you so much for your support. And we are so happy today to welcome our guest, Verenia Peoples. Verenia has had a successful career expressing herself through acting, singing, and dancing under the name Nia Peoples. And uh, after she experienced some upheavals in her life, which we all do, she then traveled the world to listen to her heart and try to discover who she really is. And now she just wants to be loved through living it out loud and empowering others to do the same. She's written a children's book entitled The Little Apple Tree, which has been brought into classroom curriculum. And Verenia, we're so happy to have you. Welcome to Love is the Answer. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me and for everything that you do and that you are. I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, it's an honor to have you, uh, Verenia. So thanks so much for joining us. And so we'd like to begin with the first question that we ask all of our mm. guests. What mm. does love mean to you? That's a very big question. It's super simple, but big. Love is truth. Mm. Love is wholeness. And love is the perfect patterning of God that is always wanting to be called forth. Mm. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've already confessed to you that I'm fascinated by the fact that you had this successful show business career, not because I am an all starstruck person, but because I have worked with so many people who have tried their whole lives to enhance their identities so that they felt like they were getting approval. And in Western culture, somebody who's beautiful and talented and successful has that approval. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> or at least is always seeking it. I expect there's still a struggle within a, a, that particular realm. But I'm curious about how having that approval has affected your spiritual journey. And if since that's there and you realize I'm one of the beautiful people, did that hinder your spiritual journey? Oh, or gosh, no, think, no. Okay, it's, so for me, it's about not, that. yeah, it's, it isn't, I mean, whatever path you're on is the path that you're meant to be on to reveal more of the truth of who you are. So, you know, the opportunity is, even in a hindrance or in a challenge is there for you to perfect the knowing of the love that you are. So was it a hindrance? No. Everything that I came up against or felt like a push or whatever was an opportunity for more awakening to truth. Mm. On a practical level, let me start by saying in, as I was born, like my nature was very shy. I was a very shy girl, very, very sensitive, 
where I, if I saw people being unkind to one another, I would just start weeping. So I was alone all the time, and my parents were very worried about me. So they would hear me singing. I was always singing by myself and playing by myself. So they thought, okay, we're going to push her into something that's going to force her to learn how to deal with people. So they pushed me into choir. And they pushed so hard, and I hated the push. I mean, I had a gut wrench. I couldn't stand it, but I finally realized that it was easier for me to relent and get the approval of my parents than to feel the pressure of their lack of, well, I mean, it, it's a, as parents, they were worried for me, but it was also simultaneously a lack of acceptance of my sensitivity. So in a sense, they were saying, without knowing they were saying it, you are unacceptable being that sensitive. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful that they pushed me because they did teach me how to, not toughen up, but how to, how to negotiate my way. My workaround was to choose overachieving. And so what I learned to do was focus on what I wanted or what I thought I was supposed to be doing with such clarity that it's a very intentional and focused energy that moves things forward. It's a very Newtonian way of moving things, and you can succeed at that level. And that is the level that Western culture really acknowledges. Put right. your head down. Work hard. If you and it's true. Energy is energy. If I focus on getting from here to there, I'm going to move through that grocery store and only get the eggs I need. I'm not going to be distracted wandering around. I'm going to achieve that goal. I learned how to focus all that, but underneath all of it was this the thing that gave me permission to focus like that was this knowing that I was something more mm -hmm. than what people could see. I always had that knowing. I always knew that people were connected to something much more than what you could see and mm -hmm. feel and taste and touch. And that ultimately in that was the importance of who we are. It was the truth of who we are. I couldn't articulate it then but I always knew that there was more than what was being measured. But my way of dealing with my physical life was to focus. Through that focus, I learned to be an overachiever. Pretty much anything I set my mind to, I could achieve. And I felt comfortable in that, in that, satisfied in that now it was okay. Like it wasn't okay for me to be quiet and on my own and shy and by myself and not communing with people if it was just because I was shy, but it was okay for me to be alone working my arse off on something to achieve. Mm. So in a way, I got to be alone and have people off my back because I was alone focusing on something they could measure. Tell me this, since your goal of achieving a, an identity that performed was so successful, did you find it harder to let go of that identity because it brought you so much approval? Well, for me, what was interesting is that I was very uncomfortable with fame, mm. meaning, you know, people's attention. I was still uncomfortable with it. It was much easier for me to set a goal and achieve it. Like, can you do this scene and do it truthfully? Yes. Okay, that was my goal. Can you go into this audition and give the best of who you are? Yes, that was always my measurement. The measurement mm -hmm. wasn't, did I get it? The measurement was, did I achieve what I set out to achieve in that room? What, did I perfect this skill? Did I, you know, this was what saved me from that thing that I felt so awkward with, which was attention. 
so fame was never, I never had a career. I never focused on the involvement of my career. I focused on one step at a time, achieving a skill after a skill after a skill, believing that somehow God was laying this out for some reason that I couldn't understand. And lo and behold, it was true. Like I was, <laughs> hey. But what I did notice was that with everything I achieved, and I achieved some pretty extraordinary things, there was like, whew, there was satisfaction in that achievement. And then after that initial satisfaction was a low-grade dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. mm. And I always wondered why. Like, when was it ever going to be enough? When was I going to feel like all the effort I put into something was growing more than what I was able to push? Mm -hmm. mm. And that's when I went on this walkabout mm -hmm. to really understand, like, who am I? I mean, ultimately, it was five years ago, and my youngest child went off to college a year early. My fourth marriage broke up. And that sounds, you know, I had someone ask me last night, how could you have been married four times? Is it just some flippant thing? And the answer is no. It was very dedicated every single time. And I was more comfortable working within the confines of a dedicated relationship than negotiating my way through Hollywood and whatever that's supposed to mean. Mm -hmm. So we'd rather like, yeah, okay, I'll marry. Let's work this out. Yeah. The fourth marriage broke up and I asked myself, okay, Nia, you, you have no obligations. Your children are grown. I mean, she was still in college, but, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, she mm -hmm. doesn't need me to make her lunch and her breakfast and her dinner every day. What do you want? And I couldn't answer the question. Like, mm -hmm. I was yeah. so used to answering that question with answers like, well, Sienna needs to get this ready for school. My son needs that. My husband needs that. The house needs that, you know, with a mm -hmm. list of things that needed to be done. I had mm -hmm. no idea what desire meant to me. Was that frightening for you? I wept. Mm -hmm. I went wow. to the beach and I sat there and I just wept Aww. because I knew that contained within the truth of deep driving desire was mm -hmm. me. Wow. Yeah. So that's what it started the, the journey for me. I was just going to say, when you said you wept, it, it reminded me the floodgates are open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing all that, Nia. Of course. Beautiful. Yeah, I want to move into the next question. And I wanted to ask you a question about your human harmonics work. And just so <laughs> everyone knows out there, Nia has a website, humanharmonics.life, humanharmonics.life. Yeah. She's got a lot of cool things and she's building community. So my question, in your human harmonics work, you say that love is a frequency mm -hmm. and we can use that frequency to access the whole of who we are. Mm -hmm. How do I access the frequency of love within myself? You learn that the guidance system is a feeling, not an emotion, but it's a feeling. The way that I began it was I started to recognize that when there was something that I wanted to achieve and it was an egoic achievement, it felt like push. Mm. And it felt like I'm going to achieve this. Well, I'm setting out to achieve this. Whereas my soul's desire feels like a delightful invitation. Mm. From the smallest thing to the biggest thing. It can be, you know, wow, what do I want to eat? Like, do I want avocado on my toast or tomato? Oh, this sounds, feels, mm, feels good. You know, do I want to go to Israel or Peru? You start paying attention to the way that you feel mm. internally. 
And it was way easier for me in the beginning to identify when something felt like push, especially as an overachiever. Mm. I was very familiar with the feeling of put your head down and get it done. And so when it felt like that, my first thing was, okay, I don't know what the truth is, but that's a lie, so the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And just stop. So that was the first thing for me, just to say no when it felt like push and to hold space to allow the truth to emerge because the truth emerges in space. It's not something you can grasp. And so what happens as you begin ceasing your practiced patterns of pushing towards something to achieve it and you begin feeling your way and acknowledging the feeling place of that little little bit of delight or a little bit of inspiration, you just bring awareness to it it starts to become more sensitive and then and then it starts refining even more and more and more your life begins being guided by the awareness of what that frequency is mm-hmm. and we're always refining it like you know some days i'm just sitting in muck and i'm like i can't feel anything <laughs> but it is a refinement and this is we're here learning what that is mm-hmm. so and you will know the difference when you sit wholly in that frequency the feeling is absolute wholeness. There's no thinking involved. There is no question as to how you're moving from that state of being is right or wrong. There's no judgment in it. Mm-hmm. Zero. You are wholly in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah, I love that. And I've had experiences that too. Like when that impulse is there, it's like, when you act on it, it actually blossoms and it feels so right. And I was just going to mention quickly, I I know you know about this, the Heart Math Institute has actually already done studies on this, where the wholeheartedness, where the heart and the mind are in sync, you actually generate a kind of flow state. And you're actually in an energetic sync with your own innate wisdom. Right. It's like a channel is open. Yeah. And you can, like you said, you can feel it and you know the difference and there's a refinement to it. But yeah, just being in that complete energetic sync with your own innate wisdom and then abiding. And it's like abiding in that true self as you yeah. said, wholeness. And yeah. so, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's really important for people to know that it's not a state you get in and you stay in forever. We're in human form. You move in and out of it the beautiful thing is that as you begin to understand more what it is you get to choose so when you when a challenge comes up and you want to i don't know tell someone off or punch that whatever whatever it is that you're like okay that's not right you see it as oh that's an invitation to refine my, mm-hmm. my guidance system back into this place if we think that it's a place we're going to arrive at and stay in that's when judgment happens and mm-hmm. it's you know, yeah. I love what Abraham Hicks says. She goes, you never get it wrong because you never get it done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Laurel mm-hmm. said that to me before. You can, we can't get it wrong. Right. <laughs> we both yeah. laughed about that. Yeah. yeah. I was next going to ask you about listening to your inner guidance, but you kind of just covered that. So now mm-hmm. I'm going to switch gears mm-hmm. and I'm going to go, I want to go back to that image of that woman who is at this crossroads in her life who's crying on the beach because she doesn't know who she is and what she wants anymore because I think we've all been there and we like you we return there now and then 
talk a little bit about the difference between the self that you present to the world and mm -hmm. the authentic self. You talk a lot about the authentic self. Mm -hmm. And as you just stated, I know it's not a place where, okay, yesterday I was my false self and today and from now on I'm my authentic <laughs> self. You know, That's not really how it works. But oh. let's spend a little more time talking about the difference between those two and, and how we bring them into harmony. Well, they have to live side by side. I mean, they have to live mm -hmm. in harmony is right. You know, you, you're not going to jump out of the minute you you arrive holy, you're out of your body. You're gone. Mm -hmm. So we are in these bodies. And to an extent, I believe that an ego or an ident, which is identity to form, right, mm -hmm. is healthy. It's your vehicle. It's how you move through life. But when it starts telling you, when it starts ruling how you're supposed to move or why you do what you do, that's when the ego is in charge. When you're serving its story rather than the physical aspect of it serving you. So for instance, one of my, let's say one of my stories or who I've been in form is a very athletic person. Mm -hmm. I have moved through life very athletically. I've been a dancer, a martial artist, I surf. And it's been a powerful vehicle for me to express myself, whether it's expressing from the place of sensuality or in dynamism you know, even masculine aggression, when you're dropping into a 10-foot wave, you, you got to charge. You can't just go, oh, I think I'm, you know, fairy float down this wave. No. <laughs> so there's many aspects of who we are. And for me, my body was just this beautiful vehicle that would allow me to do all of that. But now, and I would say that part of my ego, like I started to identify with that. Like I'm known as this person who is a charger, let's say. Mm -hmm. who is powerful and aggressive with her body in terms of expression. Now I start training so that I can maintain that. It's so interesting because now my body is starting to say, uh, like spirit is going, oh, hold on. We need you to be more aware of the finer energies. And that mm -hmm. means you need to sit your butt still. And if mm -hmm. you won't, we will help you. So I broke my toes before I came here my shoulder tore. I mean, it was just like, what is happening to my body? But it's an invitation. What is this for? The choosing is that I want my vehicle to be in service to who I truly am. Now, rather than choosing health, quote unquote, or whatever that looks like to me, or working out at the gym, or however I, that breaks down in function, mm -hmm. rather than all that training being in service to the image or the story I tell about being athletic, I want my conscious self to choose making my body healthy so that I can express from this state of love as it desires. Those are, the actions might be the same, like I might still go to the gym and I might still eat a certain way, but the intention behind it is very different because it is here to be in service to the love that I am and my soul is informing me how I want to express that. Mm -hmm. And I have to be willing to continually let go of what I came to know as the truth yesterday to embrace what it is now. Nice. So I it like is this that. Yeah. Ever evolution. Yeah. 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 And you know, minute to minute. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks. Yeah, minute to minute, exactly. It's now time to move to our question of the week, and um, we're going to use a question from one of our listeners. So this is one where we all three join together and answer the question or respond to the question. So please, please join us, Verenia. And here's the question. Uh, sometimes I am certain that God will see me through. Sometimes I have doubts, and on a rare occasion, I've gone into despair without a ray of hope. What is the key to returning to the knowing that I am always being supported? When I read this question from one of our listeners, yeah, I had a few thoughts that came up. And for me, the whole essence of this is learning how to stay present and living from a deeper place of awareness. We've talked about that already. The question is, how do I, how do I return to that, you know, to that knowing that I'm always supported when I'm out of sync? And to me, that's an invitation to know that the universe is always benevolent. The way I do it is, I'm going to speak from personal experience. When I have a disturbance that's arising or something that's, it doesn't feel right, what I do is, I've learned to build space around it and to just be there with it. It's a deep intimacy with that moment and to let whatever needs to arise, to arise to the light of awareness. And we kind of mentioned that earlier. It's about building space and getting grounded some way and to just sit with it, sit with all of it and let it arise and to meet it all lovingly, openly, and compassionately. And, it, you know, what came up to me was there's that poem by Rumi, you know, the Persian poet Rumi. He has that poem called The Guest House. I don't know if you guys read it, but it, every, he says every day, every morning, there's a new guest that arrives. And it's that welcoming to open the door and let that guest in without slamming the door shut. And sometimes it's a flood of sorrow, like the guest can overturn all the, you know, furniture in your house. And sometimes it's, you know, it can be very disturbing. But what I've been doing in these situations is there's an inquiry question that I've been asking. And I got it from one of these teachers on YouTube, and her name is Miranda McPherson. And she recommends to ask the question, what is limiting my full capacity to trust right now? What is limiting my full capacity to trust? And, it's, and just to sit with it and just to see what arises. And that will take you somewhere. Yeah, so just to sit with that. And then usually for me, it's like some kind of programming or conditioning, and that's all fine. It's not to judge yourself or just to be compassionate and look at that. And then what I've found is I do look at that and build space around whatever's wanting to come up. The direct meeting of that actually starts to loosen it up. You see what I'm saying? Like when yeah. you build the space and awareness, that meeting of it, it actually loosens up that conditioning or whatever it is. And so then the next step, which is really important, is just hands off. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to change. It's just to let it move through. And I think you mentioned that Verenia earlier. Like it's not about it should be this way or it needs to be this way. Nothing to fix. Hands off. And then what I have found is that when I get my own self out of the way and surrender, that's when grace comes alive. And that's when I feel it flooded throughout my whole being. 
and that grounds me back to that space of knowing that I'm always supported. The first thing is, you know, when you get into those moments of despair, don't judge it. Like, it's okay. You're a human being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First thing is compassion for yourself. But if you think about it like this, and I have to do this, I mean, I just had some stuff come up just today, just before this, regarding money. I pulled some money out of something for investment land here, and then my accountant's like, you know, that's going to cost you blah, blah, blah. And I went, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Detachment to outcome becomes so important because the reason we're, we feel like we are not going to be saved or is because we're expecting it to show up in a certain way. Mm -hmm. But the only thing we know is what we know with our physical mind all potential all the possibilities of perfect patterning are in the unknown mm. they're in the unknown and so just because I can't see it the reason I can't see how it's gonna come together is because it's way beyond any of the ingredients I have it just is mm -hmm. and so if I really want if I follow those, that feeling inside that guides me in this place and then I run up against this thing that's like, oh, it's not going to turn out that way, it's because there's a better way for it to turn out. Mm. That's the patterning of God. God is always creating perfect patterns, uh, like perfect geometric patterns. If you look at snowflakes, every single one of them is unique and perfect in its geometric pattern. That is the way God patterns. Everything is constantly moving like this, always. So the path of least resistance is something that we don't know. When I say, oh my God, I'm broke, <laughs> how am I going to pay this bill? Then I attach to it, I need a job. Well, that's just because that's how I paid the bills before. Now I'm looking for a job and I'm worrying about that when there's so many other possibilities, I just don't know them because I've not experienced them. So the important thing is to let go of that drive for it to show up the way you think it's supposed to show up. Mm. God is so much bigger than that. I don't want to be limited to what I know. I'm a pea little person on this planet that is connected to, that is part of this much bigger thing. I want access to that much bigger thing that I am. And so what is the practice to that? The first step is no judgment mm. on the way that I'm feeling right now. It's human. That's okay. The second step is let go of whatever idea you think is creating a form in how it's supposed to happen and then let it go and know that it's going to come in a way you can't even imagine. What helps that for me is to drop into the heart space, put my feet in the planet, in the earth, because Mother Gaia is helping you pattern in that pattern and to stop my mind and to breathe in all that is God. Yeah. And that creates the space that you're talking about. Beautiful. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Laura, would you like to? Yeah, I would. And I'm going to come at this from a little bit different direction. That was great guidance about how to deal with a specific thing that bothers you. But I want to look at when the author of this question says, on rare occasion, I've gone into despair without a ray of hope. I want to address that, like that unnamed cloud of despair that descends sometimes. I actually had a version of this happen to me yesterday. And I think particularly in this time when the world is shifting and there's so much that seems to be wrong on the outside, 
the hopelessness, the panic for survival kind of thing that comes unbidden is something that's really commonplace right now that we all have to address. Considering that unnamed despair cloud that descends, the mind immediately wants to figure out what the heck has gone wrong mm -hmm. and how can I get rid of this? So the first thing I think is to actually come to a level of understanding of why this stuff happens. And we, and especially your, when you were talking about your identity as like, I can achieve this, I can set a goal, I can do this. So like we're all kind of conditioned that way to feel like we are in control of our experience. I think in actuality, creation, it's more like the weather, right? Like why is the weather the way it is right now? Because there's a combination of things contributing. I feel like that's how our experience is too. It's not our job to try to control and manipulate our emotional weather, mm -hmm. if you will, our feeling weather. Having said that, first of all, like the mind wanting to move in and try to control the weather, recognize that's not an effective approach to this problem, to try to control mm -hmm. this problem. And then the end of that question where what is the key to returning to the knowing that I'm always being supported? So I would just really do some self-inquiry there. Who is it that wants to be supported? Mm -hmm. Is that the ego that wants to be supported that like does not want to feel this way, the identity? Mm -hmm. And of course, life is always supported. You are one with life. You're one with everything. So it's not possible for you to not be supported. But I think that it's the identity that really, really screams for that kind of security. So for me, the best, the most effective way that I've had to deal with when this cloud of stormy weather descends on me personally and it doesn't seem to want to go anywhere like, um, you know, sometimes I say if you've done everything you know how to do and it still doesn't work, but maybe before you get there, to just realize that I am not a person at all. I'm actually a point of awareness. Hmm. And this is what I'm aware of in this moment. Hmm. And to try to stay completely open without attaching to that particular feeling or attaching to a feeling I'd rather have, but to just really try to stay in this open field of awareness until the weather changes, because it will, because mm -hmm. it always does. It never stays the same. And realize that you have as little control over it as you do the weather on the outside. So. Yeah. Anyway, I'll just offer that up, but I think putting those three together, we hopefully have offered a little bit of hope to everybody. If I can add a little something to yeah. it, I think when we're in despair, part of it is that it is that control thing in that we've learned how to function in a system. So if you look at the world right now and how everything is just falling apart, like people can't rely on what they've known, even though what they've known, what we've done is we've learned how to function in a broken system. Our system's broken. It's not right. a sustainable system. None of it is right. We mm -hmm. complain about it because we know it's not 
not, it's not sustainable and whole, but we've learned how to manage in it. Mm -hmm. So now we can't, we don't even know how to manage. And so there is this death of, it's a strange thing, but it's security in the wrongness of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like we've learned how to function in it. It's like a dysfunctional relationship. Mm -hmm. you like know, the are, child wanted to stay with an abusive parent. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. it's exa because it's what they know. Right. We tend to want to be in what we know, even when we know it's not good. Mm -hmm. We just don't know what good looks like or feels like. Mm -hmm. And so it's the death of what we've known. And that, to me, is part of what the despair is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Holding on, yeah, to the familiar, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, I get that, yeah. And the mind is never going to make sense of that. It's never going to be okay on the mind level. So when we reach that spot, we have no alternative that's going to work other than to switch over to present moment awareness yeah. and acceptance. That's it. That's yeah. the only road. The heart has all the answers. That's the well wellspring of life from where all true answers are drawn. Cool. Well, I guess we've considered that one and we've run out of time for today. But thank you so much for any of people's. Um, ah, it's it's my such pleasure. a pleasure to have you and get to know you a little bit more. And be sure to listen next time when our guest will be Georgie Jessup. We're going to have another interesting conversation there. We're going to be talking about finding balance between our feminine and masculine energies and Georgie's transgender. So she's going to bring a whole lot of wisdom and experience to that particular conversation. It should be a great time. Yeah, and we'd love to feature your question as our question of the week. So please submit your question to us by e emailing us at love is the answer for you. That's number four at gmail.com. That's love is the answer for you. That's number four at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Nia, for being here. Verenia, My pleasure. And everybody, we'll see you next time. All right. Yay. Thanks, Verenia. Thank you, guys. Thank you.